Welcome to the Open Church Podcast, a place for disciples to be made. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Open Church Podcast. It's hard to believe that we are already on part four of the 21 praises for 2021. And this is a look through Psalm 107 and taking a look um, using Psalm 107. And from there, jumping off and finding these attributes of God, these building blocks, these, these Lego blocks, if you will. And then as we start this new year, um, in any time in our life that we need a refresher, really diving in and realizing that we can build the type of relationship with our God that we want. If we look at his attributes, we can... Uh, apply those to our life we can um, we can let God um, shape our view of him as we look at what we should be praising him about and if we are to if we do that if we are to do that in our lives it will transform us we will there will be something that is made that is beautiful in our lives the 21 praises of God, 21 praises for 2021. So far we've discussed out of Psalm 107, God is good. His love endures forever. He redeems. He rescues. He leads. He satisfies. He saves. He brings out. He breaks through. And the new three that we want to add in this part four is he sees, he hears, he heals. Before we get uh, dive in, as every part of this particular series, we are taking Psalm 107 and we're starting it out by reading it. And, and whenever we read it together, when you hear this, hopefully you're, you're reading this yourself, some Psalm 107. Then out of that, um, as, as it's being read, as you're reading it, as you're, you're looking at it, as you're hearing it, what you should be getting, are starting to get, are images, ideas, thoughts of the stories of the Bible that reinforce those attributes of God. At this point, I'm hoping that you're starting to look at the different sections and the different verses, and maybe even pulling your own attributes of God, your own things to praise God about. Because by no means is the list of 21 that I am giving you a complete list of what to praise God about. It's just supposed to be a functional list to get us thinking in that direction. So Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe and has gathered them from the hands, from the east and the west, from the north and the south. Some wandered in desolate wilderness, finding no way to a city where they could live. They were hungry and they were thirsty. Their spirits failed within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He rescued them from their distress. He led them by the right path to go to a city where they could live. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. For he has satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things. 
Others sat in darkness and gloom, prisoners in cruel chains, because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the counsel of the Most High. He broke their spirits with hard labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and gloom and broke their chains apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. For he has broken down the bronze gates and cut through the iron bars. Fools suffered affliction because of their rebellious ways and their inequities. They loathed all food and came near the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from their distress. He sent his words and healed them. He rescued them from the pit. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and announce his works with shouts of joy. Others went to sea in ships conducting trade in the vast water. They saw the Lord's works, his wondrous works in the deep. He spoke and raised a stormy wind that stirred up the waves of the sea, rising up to the sky, sinking down to the depths, their courage melting away in anguish. They reeled and staggered like a drunkard, and all their skill was useless. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storms to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They rejoiced when the waves grew quiet. Then they guided them, then he guided them to the harbor they longed for. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. He turns rivers into deserts, springs into thirsty ground, and fruitful land into salty wasteland because of the wickedness of its inhabitants. He turns a desert, pool, a desert into a pool, dry land into springs. He causes the hungry to settle there, and they establish a city where they can live. They sow fields and plant vineyards that yield a fruitful harvest. He blesses them, and they multiply greatly. He does not let their livestock decrease. When they are diminished and are humbled by cruel oppression and sorrow, he pours contempt on nobles and makes them wander in a trackless wasteland. But he lifts the needy out of their suffering and makes their families multiply like flocks. The upright see it and rejoice, and all injustice shuts its mouth. Let whoever is wise pay attention to these things and consider the Lord's acts of faithful love. Psalm 107 is amazing whenever you start breaking it down and you start really trying to see the reference points that the psalmist was using as he was writing and as the Israelites of, of his day were hearing these words. And, and some would have been reading these words at this point in time. And we've already talked about why this is so important whenever we talk about the backdrop of Nehemiah and Ezra and the Israelites returning to their homeland after um, years of exile. We talked already in part two about uh, 
the wilderness travel and how God still had grace on Israel in that. And then the last part that we talked about, we talked about all, and it was not exhaustive, but several instances of prison throughout the Bible and how God gave freedom and life to those who called out to him. And this week, this time, this part, we're starting in verse 17. And I want you to imagine what stories from the Bible may come to mind as you hear this particular part of the psalm. This is Psalm 107, starting in verse 17. Fools suffered affliction because of their rebellious ways and their inequities. They loathed all food and came near the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them from their distress. He sent his word and healed them. He rescued them from the pit. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and announce his works with shouts of joy. Whenever you're listening to those words, whenever you're hopefully reading them for yourself, I would like you to really consider, even if you need to take a moment to pause, and, and ask yourself, what stories from the Bible uh, do you think of whenever you hear those words? What comes to mind? There's something really interesting in the structure of this stanza. Um, the, the tagline, so that you have verse 20, uh, 21, Let them give thanks to the Lord for His faithful love and His wondrous works for all humanity, which is this, this uh, line that is repetitive through the psalm. Um, I believe whenever it was done in person, probably what would have happened would be this would be a line in time people would know, and then that they would repeat themselves during it. And then... Um, whoever was reading, proclaiming the psalm, would then tag it. And so, so far it is, for he has satisfied the thirsty and filled the hungry with good things in verse 9. Verse 16, for he has broken down the bronze gates and cut through the iron bars. And these are things that God has done, right? But what I find so interesting is verse 17 starts off with talking about Fools and suffering affliction because of their foolish ways, their rebellious ways. And it talks about God saving them out of that. And then in, in verse 22, there's a call to action because of this greatness of God, because of this love of God. It says, let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and announce his works with shouts of joy. It's this first instance. So you have in, in Psalm 107, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord proclaim his uh, proclaim that he has redeemed them from the power of the foe. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story is another way that that could be um, translated. So there is a call of call to action throughout the whole entire Psalm uh, of 107. But then the author has structured it in, in such a way where these stanzas start building. It's almost like you're building the momentum of God. And it's at this point, about halfway through the psalm, more or less. And finally, there's this bursting forth as, as there's, you know, the wandering through the wilderness, as there's the sitting in darkness and gloom, and as there's freedom from the foolishness and rebellious ways of those who would push against God. Now the psalmist calls to further action. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and announce his works with shouts joy. I think about that 
And as we, we dive further in, I want us to, to dive further in with this in mind. What in your relationship with God has caused you to shout for joy? What in your relationship with God has caused you to stop and be thankful? And if you haven't, then maybe, maybe this time through the Psalms, as we're as to, through Psalm 107, as we're working together, maybe that is a time for you to truly think have you actually experienced the presence of your God? Do you have a relationship with Him? Because I can tell you, whenever I read these words, absolutely let them offer sacrifices because of his salvation let us be thankful and let us announce his works with shouts of joy i can say absolutely there are moments where i feel like shouting this from the rooftop because god is good and he has saved me from the pit from despair from a worthless life and I want to make sure he's done that for you, because if he has, and I think these words of Psalm 107 will start resonating more and more as we're going through the 21 praises to start 2021. So as I was processing Psalm 107, and I, I was praying about, okay, God, you know, if I was an Israelite in the, in the day and time, Hearing those words, um, starting in verse 17, full suffered affliction because of their rebellious ways and their inequities. What, what would I have turned to? Like, what, what, what would that have uh, picked up on my imagination as an Israelite of that time? Like, what story, what biblical story would I have referenced in my mind? And you can see some stories, you know, there's some terrible kings and then of course you can think of of of, of the time um where there's this figurative idea I, I guess would be to say although it's a literal thing that happens is uh, the israelites are taking out of their their country and, and by this time the actions of nehemiah are very very clear um if you look at nehemiah 8 and 9 uh chapters 8 and 9 again i mean you can see that it's at this moment there is a an act of true repentance among the Israelites. And so whenever it says full suffered affliction, they resonate to that. They loathed all food and came near the gates of death. They can resonate with that because, I mean, the Israelite story, the, the Jewish people's story to that point was this rejection of the things that God wanted to do for them and then the cost of that. So all of that would have resonated. But... I think the best story, and, and it's a story that would have been very fresh on their mind, would have indeed been the story of Nebuchadnezzar as recorded in Daniel. Remember, this has only happened within the last hundred years or so of when Psalm 107 would have been written. These, the, this story would have been uh, written down, and the, the Israelites would have... Um, known it. Um, they would have heard these stories from uh, the generations before of, of, of Daniel, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of Nebuchadnezzar. And, and what's so fascinating to me 
is in Daniel 4, you have Nebuchadnezzar who had... The, the episode just before this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being sent into the fire because of the king's hubris. And then it gets worse because it was at that point when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fourth man, which you know is Jesus, were there in the fire. It's at that point Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges that their God is a God among the other gods. But he doesn't acknowledge yet that their God is the one true God. And so in that sense, whenever you look back at Psalm 107, and it says, fooled suffered affliction because of their rebellious ways, that absolutely relates to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, picking up the story in verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar, to those of every people, nation, and language who live on the whole earth, may your prosperity increase. I am pleased to tell you about the miracles and wonders the Most High God has done for me. How great are his miracles and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. And it's amazing. Daniel has this, and he's kept this letter and he made sure that this was kept as a record of what the time, what we're about to be describing, what kind of impact it had on Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. I had a dream, and it frightened me. While in my bed, the images and visions in my mind alarmed me, so I issued a decree to bring all the wise men from Babylon to me, in order that they might make the dream's interpretation known to me. When the uh, magicians, mediums, Chaldeans, and diviners came in, I told them the dream, but they could not make its interpretation known. Finally, Daniel named Belshazzar after the name of my God, and a spirit of the holy gods is in him, came before me. I told him the dream, Belshazzar, head of the magicians, because I know that you have the spirit of the holy gods and that no mystery puzzles you. Explain to me the visions of my dream that I saw and its interpretation. Now you can read the rest of it, what the actual dream was. But I find it very interesting. In verse 25. Kind of sums up what, what the dream was, how it was going to take place. Daniel, in his interpretation, says, You will be driven away from people to live in the, uh, with the wild animals. You will feed on grass like cattle and be drenched with dew from the sky for seven periods of time until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms and he gives them to anyone he wants. Now, why do I bring this up? Why do I even... Uh, why, why did... This story in Daniel, the story of Nebuchadnezzar, come to mind as we're, we're reading through Psalm 107. Fools suffered affliction because of their rebellious ways and their inequities. They loathed all food and came near the gates of death. Here's why. I think something that we need to praise God about and we need to acknowledge is that he sees. He sees the things in our lives 
that distract us, that detract. He sees the things in our lives that even we try to hide and not acknowledge. He sees those things. Now, why do I say that? Because in Daniel, you have this interesting thing where Nebuchadnezzar had acknowledged that God was among the gods. And yet God knew that Nebuchadnezzar would never be at peace, would never know truth unless he acknowledged the rightful place of God, which is the chief of gods, the God of God, Lord of Lord, King of Kings. That's who God is. It's not saying that there's not other things that people worship. It's saying that they are inferior. It's not saying that there aren't kingdoms, domains, um, these things that sometimes can make us nervous and fret. It's this acknowledgement that they are not God and that he is superior. And so this is indeed what is happening in the story that God sees what it's going to take to get Nebuchadnezzar to a place of peace. And he sees that with us. I find this very uh, worthwhile to look at from a New Testament perspective. This is in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 and 13. Whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. Basically, whoever thinks they're in the right, whoever thinks that their way is beyond reproach, you need to be careful. You need to be pursuing God. Uh, we all do. But especially at that point, we need to get even more serious. So we are careful not to fall. Fall flat on our face. Fall and, and never know why it happened. And here's why, because no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may be able to bear it. This is not God providing the, te the temptation. In fact, it says God does not tempt. He is not tempted, nor does he tempt us. But there are temptations. Temptations are whenever we're led astray by our own desires. What's amazing is God knows your innermost being. And he has already seen it. And he has already made the way of escape. Just like for Nebuchadnezzar. God knew what, Neb what, what it, what it was going to take for Nebuchadnezzar to turn to him. And truly to him. And he even sent the prophet to tell him what was going to go on and sent the prophet, Daniel, to give him that interpretation that this was for him to acknowledge God. And so going back to Psalm 107, fools suffered affliction because of their rebellious ways and their inequities. They loathed all food and came near those very gates of, of death. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. See, not only does God see, it's amazing, he also hears. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them. God sees you. 
God knows the temptations. God knows what it's going to take to bring you to a place of peace and relationship with Him. So not only does God see that, He also hears the plea of our heart. So God sees, but not only does He see, He hears. Going back to that story in Daniel of Nebuchadnezzar, it becomes even more intriguing that that God sent the dream and he saw what it was going to need to bring peace um, in, in Nebuchadnezzar's heart. And Nebuchadnezzar is driven out and he's he lives as a wild animal, like a wild animal. Now, some would speculate, did he actually turn into a beast? Um, maybe. We, we, we don't know. Or did he just live like one and he goes basically temporarily insane? Those are interesting speculations, but I will leave that to people who want to get into that aspect of the story, the the real story side of it. What I want to concentrate is the spiritual side of it, because if you pick back up the story in verse 34, but at the end of those days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven and my sanity returned to me. Then I praised the Most High and honored and glorified him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does what he wants with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There is no one who can block his hand or say to him, What have you done? I find that just amazing. That Nebuchadnezzar, this king of kings, this lord of lords, if you will, the most important ruler of his day and time, and God wants his heart. And God hears when Nebuchadnezzar cries out to him. Once again, think of that image whenever we're talking about Psalm 107. Fools suffered affliction because of their rebellious ways and their inequities. They loathed all food and came near the gates of death. And then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them. He saved them from their distress. As we're we're unloading this together, can you not hear those words of Nebuchadnezzar? For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Can you not hear those from Nebuchadnezzar? Can you not feel how that changed his life? I think that's so important for us. Whenever we're sometimes thinking, does God even hear me? Does he even care about me? Well, the short answer is yes. But I know that sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in the moment and caught up in everything that's going on and to feel like the answer is no. It's real easy to get caught up in things not going the way that we think they should go. And as we get caught up in that, to get so disappointed and so disillusioned that we start becoming despairing creatures 
that God sees you where you are and he hears you. I would hope that you would commit this verse to heart. 1 Peter 3.12 In those darkest of days, in those darkest of moments, whenever we don't feel like God is with us and we ask where he's gone, Peter pins these words to remind us. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. Now, whenever I first read this verse, I, I in preparation, I, I'm thinking righteous, and I'm thinking that how that word can oftentimes feel so loaded and can sometimes make the hearer say, well, I'm not righteous. Well, well, hold on just a moment before you declare yourself unrighteous. What is the righteousness that we are striving for? Well, actually, I want to simplify it for you. What is considered righteous for us is not the absence of, of wrong, if you would. It's your pursuit of God that declares you righteous or unrighteous. It's your admittance that his way is better and striving for it, looking for it, seeking it, having him as Lord. It's not the absence of the screw-up and the mess-up. This is a hugely graceful story. If God was the kind of God that would strike people dead for no reason or just because they went off of the, the rails, so to speak, if that's the kind of God he was and not the God of grace and mercy, then the story in Daniel of Nebuchadnezzar would have never happened. But not only that, the story of Psalm 107 of the Israelites being rescued and brought back from exile would have never happened. The wilderness and the Israelites still going into the promised land. All of these stories would not happen if it was righteousness on our terms. So let me reread this verse in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3.12 in the right context. The eyes of the Lord are on you. If you seek him, if you're longing for him, if you're searching for him, this verse is true. The eyes of the Lord are on you, and his ears are open to your prayer. Don't worry, the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. And what is the ultimate evil? The ultimate evil is putting any God before God. It's the ultimate evil, and I think it's the one that sometimes we don't even um, see coming. So don't let the enemy play tricks on you. Because not only God, does God see you right where you are, not only does he hear you right where you are, but if you will call to him, he will heal, heal you. Psalm 107, 17. Fools suffered affliction because of their rebellious ways and their inequities. They loathed all food and came near the gates of death. Then they cried out to, Lord, to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent his word and healed them. 
He rescued them from the pit. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love and his wondrous works for all humanity. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and announce his works with shouts of joy. Not only does God see you, not only does he hear you, if you call out to him, he will heal you. Now, you may be going through a sickness. You may have known somebody who is a faithful God follower who may have even died from things like cancer or some other disease. And of course, when I'm recording this, um, it's in the midst of the COVID pandemic. I think we've got to be careful. God's healing, it's first and foremost about spiritual things. You can be spiritually healthy and physically decaying and be at peace with God. And I say that because I think we make it so much people, and I understand it. I'm not. I'm trying to have a heart here, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to be dismissive. People going through cancer, people going through these horrendous things, they are horrendous. Sometimes we just feel bad about them. However, we have to realize that spiritual things are just as important. I would say they're actually more important because they are eternal, not the physical body. And so sometimes healing comes physically, but it will always come, at least spiritually, if we cry out to God, if we seek Him. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar does. Daniel 4. He acknowledges God, and it's picking back up the story in verse 36. It's at that time that my sanity returned to me, and my majesty and splendor returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and my nobles sought me out again, and I was reestablished over my kingdom, and even more greatness came to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the King of the heavens, because all his works are true. And his ways are just. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. Now you may ask, why am I bringing that up? Healing for Nebuchadnezzar was far more than his desire not to be this, you know, quote-unquote wild animal. That in its reality was just a symptom of his pride and his hubris. And God, seeing what it was going to take to get Nebuchadnezzar in a place where he would acknowledge God and therefore stand in right standing with God and in, in righteousness. I know that's crazy to think whenever we acknowledge God and who he is, that in and of itself makes us righteous in the, the pursuit of God. Those things are the things that make us righteous. Not trying to do the, the right thing all the time. <clears throat> Not trying to be a, a good person. Is acknowledging God for who he is. And once Nebuchadnezzar was willing to do that, we understand it this way. Once he was willing to repent and change his ways, God did indeed heal him. Physically, yes. But more importantly, spiritually. Even whenever he's glorifying everything that God did and his kingdom becoming more, <clears throat> his last praises, the praises on his lip are about 
God. And that is the truth of a right relationship with God. So not only does he see you and hear you, if you call out, he will heal you. 1 Peter 2.24 puts it this way. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. There's so much to say there, but I want to leave it with this. 21 praises for 2021. God is good. His love endures forever. He redeems. He rescues. He leads. He satisfies. He saves. He brings out. He breaks through. And not only that, he sees. He hears. He heals. Whatever you may be going through today, let whoever is wise pay attention to these things and consider the Lord's acts of faithful love. Psalm 107, verse 43. If you need anything, please reach out. You can reach out several different ways. You can go to openchurchonline.com, and that has links to Facebook and email, and then, of course, the podcast that you can share. And don't forget that we are partnered with One Life Church that's doing virtual, that no matter where you are in the world, you can join and be a part of a fellowship of believers uh, meeting safely, virtually, through Zoom. And you can find that link at liveonelife.net. Once again, liveonelife.net. It's been a blessing, and I pray that you have a blessed week. Thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, week, whatever it may be for you right now. Blessings, my brother. Blessings, my sister.